Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name is Doug Jones, and this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we like to call it the show that helps you grow. Uh, I'm just recording a quick intro for this because in just a second, we're going to jump right back into a conversation we started last week with Todd Miles from our Doable Discipleship live event. Uh, Todd is a professor and uh, author who wrote Superheroes Can't Save You. You should check out that book. If you listened to last week's episode, then you've already gotten to know Todd a little bit. If you've not listened to that part one episode, go back and do that because uh, Todd's going to be answering questions today that pertain to the conversation that he started last week. So we're taking audience questions uh, as well as a couple sneaky questions from me and Jason that we wanted to get answered. Um, So enjoy this little chat with him as he responds to some questions about who Jesus is uh, according to the Bible. So without any further ado, please enjoy. I'm going to get us started because I happen to have a few questions of my own that we'll begin with. Uh, Let's start off with... uh, with your book, Todd. Okay. That's actually what kind of started this off, because yeah. Rob, one of the pastors on the spiritual maturity team, said, hey, I heard about this book on this podcast, and then he checked out the book, and they told me about it. I read the book, loved it. What prompted you to write a book about these historic Christian heresies? I mean, yeah. you're, you're a theology professor. You're knowledgeable about a lot of stuff, I'm sure, but you chose to, to talk about this. Why was this an issue you wanted to go after? Um, yeah. Teaching theology and teaching church history. And what I found was that, like I said earlier, that most of the Christological heresies are illustrated by, uh, or can be illustrated by a comic superhero. And, and they were just easy to understand. Um, and, you know, in, in theology, what we do in our, in our divinity training is that we talk about really dangerous and deficient heretical views of Jesus. And they're always named after the heretic. They're almost always named after the heretic. And so I, I tell my students, like, if you want to be immortalized in the church, <laughs> the easiest <laughs> way to do it is come up with a really bad idea about Jesus and then promote it. And we will name it after you. And so we have Arianism and Apollinarianism and Eutychianism and you know, all these. And, and of course, when I'm, these names don't mean anything to anybody. And so you're having to think through, um, okay, Eutychianism is this, Jesus is a hybrid of, of God and man. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then you're able to say, uh, I, what I found was that I could come up with an illustration that would be like um, Eutychianism. I, that's kind of like Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man's kind of half spider, half human, kind of a blend together. You could do that with Aquaman. It might, might work even better with Aquaman. Um, but, but the thing is, is, is that if you're half... If you're a hybrid of, of two things, you're no longer either of those things anymore. And so this idea, Jesus is a hybrid of humanity and deity, well, then you're, you're not human anymore and you're not divine anymore. You're a third thing. Mm. And, and Jesus can't be a third thing by the Bible's logic. He has to be human and he has to be God. Mm in order for any of this to work. And so I, I think I started with Superman. I heard that from someone else. And then, then we just, in class, we just started coming up with more and more. And it, it was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think I have seven in the book. I think I've got nine total, nine or ten total, that we go through in class. And, and Once you yeah. hear the superhero, once you hear the corresponding superhero with the heresy, you can't forget it. It gets really easy for you to remember how these things play out and what yeah. they look like. Yeah, and that's how my students start answering on exams. I oh, say, you don't name yeah. this exam, and they go, I think it's Eutychianism, but I know it's a Spider-Man heresy. Right? I, I know it's Spider-Man. And you accepted that? Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, forget the name of the heretic. Yeah, yeah that's right. Superhero's fine. That's right. I can totally just yeah. picture this scene when they make a movie of you writing this book, 
which they obviously will. Yeah, I can't, um, that's, yeah, no, that's going to be. You a know, it, it's just the senior kid comes home. He went to the comic book store. He he bought a new stack of comic, and he he puts them down right next to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you're just going, oh, that's good. You look down, and it's just like, oh, I see it. Yes. It makes sense. Yeah. It's a beautiful fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I wish it actually worked that way. But, um, <laughs> but it, 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 was, it was fun to do the research. I'll say that. Yeah, I bet. It's fun to do the research. Um, we have some questions from the audience here. Uh, first question says, uh, in your book, you talk about the roles of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Please explain their roles in this and why it is important that all persons of the Trinity were involved. Yeah. Well, it's, it's important that all, all three members of the Trinity be involved because God is God and not... Uh, so, I'm, so the Trinity is a tough one. Right? The Trinity is a difficult one. Um, in, in the book, I, I liken one of the worst ideas about the Trinity to uh, Ant-Man. If you've seen the movie Ant-Man or read any of his comics, um, Ant-Man is either, well, it's, it's Hank Pym is how he starts out, but he has to wear this costume by which he can grow or shrink. And at one point he shrinks, and so he becomes Ant-Man, or he can go the other way and get bigger, and he becomes Giant Man, or he can be um, this other guy, Yellow Jacket, that, who, at least in the movie, Yellow Jacket's the bad guy, but in the comics, it's the third alter ego of <laughs> Hank Pym. And so the, the deal here is, is that if, if, if you're running around and, and you need Ant-Man, but Giant-Man's there, Ant-Man's not coming, right? Because Hank Pym can only be one. And, and so this, was a tr- this is kind of like the, a Trinitarian heresy called modalism, mm. where God is either either the Father, or he is the Son, or he is the Holy Spirit. So three different personas, one person, just like Hank Pym can only be, but not simultaneously all three at the same time. He can only be Ant-Man, Giant-Man, or Yellow Jacket. Um, but the doctrine of the Trinity is different than that. It's not, the Father, Son, and Spirit are not modes or costumes, but all three persons exist simultaneously in the one being of God. And so the one being of God is at work in all things together, right, in, in these three persons. And so, of course, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are going to be involved in our salvation. Of course, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are going to be involved in, in every aspect of what the Son was doing because God is God, right? But they do different things that are uh, appropriate to uh, their, their role, I think we could say, right? And so uh, the Son is the incarnate one, but the, the Father is the one who sins and the Spirit is the one who empowers and, and when it comes to the death of Christ on the cross, what we're told in Scripture is that this was ordained by God. It was his plan, mm-hmm. right? Now, he didn't coercively send the Son. The Son went. The Son incarnated. It's not like child abuse or anything like that because the Son willingly gives himself. And we're told that he does things by the power of the Spirit, including even the resurrection of the Son of God, we're told, is, mm-hmm. is by the power of the Spirit. Now, is the Son involved in the resurrection? Of course he is, and the Father as well. Uh, but as Christians, we're Trinitarian, and, and we should think in a Trinitarian fashion, which means that we want Father, Son, and Spirit involved in all things. But there are some things that the Scriptures are very particular about what they do. Yeah. Um, and, and this would be an, an instance of that. Yeah. It's easy to be drawn when you're dealing with the Trinity either 
you either slide toward the oneness of God or mm-hmm. slide toward the threeness of God. And sometimes that can become a very confusing, that can be a very mentally yeah. confusing juggle. Yeah. I don't know what the answer to that is. Other than <laughs> just, it's hard. <laughs> other than just be intentional and think and, and, and just immerse yourself in Scripture. Yeah. So the thing that I see the most, and this has almost become a pet peeve, is when people are praying and, and they address their prayers to God the Father and in the next breath thank Him for dying on the cross. Mm. It's like the Father didn't die on the cross. <laughs> right. we, we, we've actually named that heresy. It's a heresy. It's patropassionism. Mm. The Father didn't die on the cross. Yeah. The Son did. Don't thank the Father for dying on the cross. If you want to thank the Son for dying on the cross, yes, do it. Thank the Father for sending the Son, yes. Yeah. Thank, you can... You can go generic and just thank God for dying on the cross. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't thank the Father Play for dying folks. on the cross. Go with God. Go with God, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what in, in Ephesians 20, when Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders, it was by the blood of God, right? God bought the church with his own blood, yeah. we're told. Yeah. I want to jump to, to one that I had written down here. You, talked, you, you touched on this a little bit, but I'd, I'd love if you could flesh it out a little bit more. This idea that if Jesus was truly human, how was he able to do these superhuman things that we read about, these, these miracles? And I think of things like um, you have these passages where it said that Jesus looked at him and knew what he was thinking, for example, or these little things that say, I don't really, I can kind of guess what people are thinking yeah. or, or that sort of deal. So by what power was Jesus able to do these things? Um, be safe. The power of God. <laughs> the yeah. power of God. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a really interesting question. There's actually division, some division within uh, the, the conservative evangelical church on this. How did Jesus do his miracles? Uh, some will say, and, and I, I probably lean this way a little bit more than others do, that it was by the Spirit of God. Uh, there are times in the Gospels where it's very clear. We're clearly told Jesus did this by the Spirit right? Uh, he cast out demons by the Spirit. Jesus even says that, right? I, if I cast out demons by the Spirit, you know the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it also could be that there's just in- inherent in the nature of Jesus. Like, I, I suspect when Jesus is casting out demons and he is commanding people to, he's commanding these demons to depart, mm-hmm. the demons recognize Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They even say so much, don't they? We know who you are, the Holy One of God, right? Um, And so there's probably some divine authority in that as well. Um, What we do know is that when Jesus became a human, he did not divest himself of his deity. He didn't slough it off. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go another comic superhero here, that would be like in the Black, Black Panther when he... Before the trials, he drinks the potion that uh, eliminates all of his Black Panther powers. Jesus didn't drink a potion from the heart-shaped herb. Right? He didn't yeah. do that when he became a human. He, he, he still is fully God. Because, again, everything we've talked about, if Jesus isn't God, then he can't do the things the Bible says that he did. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's, there's a name for this when we call it, um, we call it kenoticism which is from the Greek word for to empty or to pour out. And you, they, they, it comes from Philippians 2 where Jesus did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself or he poured himself out. But we're told in that passage how Jesus did it. He added to himself a human nature, right? And so it wasn't subtraction by eliminating deity. He, he, he didn't empty himself by divesting himself of deity. He emptied himself by adding humanity to himself. 
So it was subtraction by addition, if you will. Mm. And so however he did these things, it wasn't because he was no longer God. But I tend to think that Jesus, in his desire to live a normal human life, he gave up, as it were, independent access. He didn't give up, but he gave up access. He did not utilize those attributes of deity that are inconsistent with normal human living and, and instead relied upon the spirit. Um, I, I do think we need to get back to more of a spirit Christology. Uh, and again, I'm not suggesting that Jesus is not divine when I say this, but read through the gospels and look for the presence and power of the spirit in the life of Jesus and you will be amazed. Uh, at, at, you know, if, if you're looking for it, you'll be amazed at how much is actually there. Yeah, including his baptism, the start of his ministry. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's a spirit endorsement right there. Mm -hmm. Jason, you got one for us? Yeah, we've got another question here. Um, so this one says, what, or one of the criticisms of Christianity is that the early Christians didn't believe that Jesus was God, and they didn't start believing it until hundreds of years after his death, yeah. when the creeds were devised. Mm -hmm. How and why did this develop, and why did the heresies develop. Yeah. Well, I think the heresies developed because people were just trying to figure it out. Um, and then if you read, if you read my book, um, just, that was just a pure plug <laughs> right there. Um, Jeez, Todd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I tried to mix in some church history there because it's really interesting. And there's some politics involved. There's some intrigue. There's people being selfish. And so it wasn't just confusion. Oftentimes people had some skin in the game. Um, but I, I think, first off, it's just not true that the church didn't believe in the deity of Jesus until the creeds. The creeds were formulating what the scriptures taught, and the scriptures were written in the first century, and the scriptures were written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and through research by individuals who were listening to the gods, who were reading and remembered the Jesus stories and, and all this sort of thing, right? Um, and so it's, it's just not true that the church didn't believe in the deity of Christ until the third or fourth century. Uh, we, even that, when I read to you from Colossians chapter one, Paul wrote that most, most people don't, don't deny that Paul wrote the book of Colossians. And if Paul wrote it, it was written during the middle to early, late first century, and he's quoting what everyone believes to be a hymn that people were singing. And so in Colossians, you have a book written in, I don't know, let's, let's go, be really conservative and say 60 AD, and they are, and he quotes a hymn that had been circulating for quite some time. And they didn't circulate hymns by like printing it out and then, you know, tweeting them to where it's instantly accessible. You had to like write it out laboriously and then, you know, transport it by mule to the next town. It's really, really slow. And so, and, and that is a strong Christological confession of the deity of Jesus right there in Colossians chapter one. Um, and, and, and then the gospels were written too. Now, why did it take so long for the creeds? Well, think about church history. There wasn't a chance until into the fourth century for all the Christian leaders to gather in one place. 
Well, okay, they probably could have. Rome would have loved that, right? Mm-hmm. Gather all the bishops in one place. Look yeah, let's it do is. it. <laughs> yeah, th- this is simple. Just, just load up the paddy wagon, go straight to the Colosseum, feed them to the lions, and it's done, yeah. right? They couldn't do that until after Constantine. So that affords now the opportunity for them to do some community reflection, which is what you have in those, those councils. Um, and also, uh, theology... <laughs> I, I would say theology, when it's best done, is responding to issues. And that was definitely the case in, in the early church. The early church didn't sit around and reflect. There were, there were no ivory tower uh, theologians. They were all pastors who were in the trenches, and they were dealing with real stuff. And so um, issues would come up, and they would address them at that time. And uh, I, I think it's asking too much of history to think that by the year 50 AD, there'd be just this brilliant systematic theology where everything Christian would be formalized. Yeah. Just, that's not realistic to consider or to think. Which of, the, which of the heresies do you think creeps in most easily into the 2019 church? Oh. Is there one that just seems ubiquitous, that just, just gets in there every which way? Um, yeah, probably even the one, uh, I think one that I mentioned, Superman, mm-hmm. I don't think we know what to do with the humanity of Jesus at times, and, uh, which is too bad because the Bible makes a really big deal about the, de- about the humanity of Jesus. Um, you know, if you're sitting home on a Saturday and someone knocks on your door, that's going to be Arianism, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're just modern day Arians, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's all I can do just to, to greet them and say, didn't we take care of you in 325 at Nicaea? Um, I mean, that was, that was so Ooh, yesterday. That's got sizzle. Um, and they would just look at me like, what? So, but but th- this some sort of subordination of Jesus to where he is mm. God, so I call that the Thor heresy. He's, he's the son of creator God. He's a God, but he's not the God. Mm. And, and that's, that's the God of Arius. That's the God of Jehovah's Witness. Um, and so you'll run into that. I, 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 but, but just like within the church, within the church, something like docetism, not, not sure what to do with the humanity of Jesus. So maybe he wasn't, he wasn't really human, not like you and me. I, I think that one creeps in very, very easily. Yeah. And, and, and then, then maybe some of the others in a de facto way, I, I, you know, I don't meet any card-carrying Eutychians or Apollinarians or, or anything like that. No one confesses to that. So I think uh, we kind of get lulled into these, um, maybe through laziness, maybe through, it's just easier for me to think of Jesus this way. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to be really intentional on that because it matters. It really, yeah. really matters. This actually leads in really well into the next question that I had, okay. so I just wanted to launch into that. Um, so this is doable discipleship, so we wanted to have a doable kind of heavy uh, question too. Um, it starts off with a decently long quote from your book. Okay. Uh, so you said, the bad ideas about Jesus, at least the popular bad ideas, don't turn him into an evil monster. No, they are just s- subtle changes or misunderstandings about the Lord that make him more comprehensible, more domesticated, less intrusive, and less demanding. But the Jesus created by these bad ideas cannot save. Mm -hmm. 
So, which relates to what you were just talking about, how it's not, it's not necessarily anybody is a, is a card-carrying, mm -hmm. you know, um, a version of any of these heresies, but it just comes into play a little bit. Um, so, uh, with that, what are some ways that we can test our thinking to make sure we aren't inadvertently harboring any of these bad ideas? Yeah. Um, well, so, do kind of what we're doing, gather here. Um, be in church, be in community, think together about who Jesus is. Uh, be Bible-saturated, of course, because the Bible testifies truly to who Jesus was, is, and forever will be now. Um, and then also, you can, you can do the same thought experiment that I think the early church did. Does the Jesus that I'm thinking of right now or is the Jesus that I'm thinking of right now, is he able to save according to the logic of the gospel? The hypostatic union is a tough one to wrap our, mar our mental arms around. The gospel, not so much, right? Uh, f uh, the gospel is capable of being believed by a child. It is capable, uh, a child is capable of understanding the logic of the gospel. Does that mean that a child has to understand the hypostatic union in order to be saved? No. But if a version of Jesus is not capable of saving according to the logic of the gospel as it's presented in the scriptures, then that idea about who Jesus is is false. It just can't be. Yeah. I like what you said about <clears throat> discussing these things together because when you just start forming theology on your own and you just sort of, even if you're in the word, it's possible for you to kind of gradually go astray because your imagination comes into play and it's easy to start sort of warping things in your mind based on personal experiences or that sort of thing. So I love this idea of we have to, and, and I think the councils are, an are a perfect mm -hmm. example of this, where there's this community mm -hmm. coming together to test these concepts, test these ideas, these thought experiments, as you've said, because it's really required for us to have kind of checks and balances, because it's too, the, understanding the person of Jesus is hard enough as it is, it's, it's certainly more than any one human being can, mm -hmm. can succeed in doing and, and be accurate about all the time. So this idea of discussing it and having conversation about it in small groups or in you know, discussion settings like this. Mm -hmm. You got any more? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and this kind of goes, <laughs> this is another great tie into what you were just talking about. Um, so this question is, what is, is the minimum a person has to believe about Jesus in order to be saved? I think you have to believe that Jesus died for sin. Um, and then... You cannot deny his deity and you cannot deny his humanity. Um, does that mean that a person needs to understand how the humanity and deity of Jesus coexist? No, I, I, I don't think so. But if you are actively denying his deity, then you don't understand the gospel and you don't understand what it takes to save you, probably more importantly. Uh, if, if you don't believe, if, if you are actively denying the humanity of Jesus, then again, you do not know. Uh, your own plight. You don't know what it takes to save you. You don't know what God is doing in the world. Um, and, and so I think you need to believe that Jesus died for sin. I think you need to believe that he is the son of God. Um, and I think you need to believe that he's the son of, he's the son of David. I mean, he called himself the son of man. Um, yeah. I, I... You mentioned that, um, that dualism, at least in part, is what fueled docetism, the, the mm -hmm. Superman heresy. 
is dualism this, that, that, that idea that you know, the physical is bad and the spiritual is good and, and sort of the prioritization of the spiritual over the physical, do you think that's a, do you think that remains a problem for mm-hmm. like the modern church? Do you see that, or do you think that's kind of put to bed in the past uh, or does no. it still creep in? No, I think, I think it's very prevalent. I, I think um, even this notion of like the, the human body, I'm not sure that we have mm-hmm. a good theology of what it takes to be human. Um, I, I think sometimes we lapse into our body as the prison house of the soul. Mm. And, and it's easy to think that way because our bodies are decaying, right? They are subject to the, to the curse of, of sin and death. And, and we just see that and we feel that. And yet humanity is, a, I'm sorry, a, a body is, hum, is essential to humanity. Yeah. Um, it is not your destiny to be liberated from a body. It's your destiny to be re-embodied in resurrection with a body that will never feel the travails of, yeah. uh, of the curse. Um, and that has all sorts of implications for discipleship and how we live, even. Um, you know, uh, taking care of ourselves. Um, y- you know, I, I remember back in the day, whenever the day was, sometime when I was younger, I suppose, uh, my, my, parent, my mom would say something like, Todd, don't smoke or don't drink because your body's a temple of the Lord. And, and then, you know, you get a little older and you think, oh, that's kind of a just lame theology. And you're like, well, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it really no. isn't. It's, act- it's, it's actually pretty right on. Um, yeah. Because if, if, that, if that was good enough for Paul, then it should be good enough for us. And he reminds us that over and over again, that what we do in our bodies matters because our bodies matter. Yeah. Our bodies matter. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so there's, there's a whole lot of like theology of, of humanity mm. that um, where th- this kind of Gnostic thought or a Platonic dualism, it's, it's just miles away from the Bible. Yeah. It's just not close. And then I've also found that, that we love... There's, there's a Gnostic impulse in humanity where we love secret knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, love, we love the secret stuff. If, yeah. and, and we're, who wants to do the hard work of studying your Bible and trying to figure out what the context is and yeah. doing word studies and all this? Yeah. Someone tell me the secret stuff. And if I can go to a pastor who can maybe give me that magic Greek word or something, right, that unlocks all the mysteries, then, then, then that's great. Yeah. I, we, we all have this kind of Gnostic impulse where we want right. the secret knowledge. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, it's just... That's don't think how we were created. I, I yeah, I totally agree. We've we've talked on the show before about every everything that you do in spiritual practice involves the body. When you think of the basic spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible and prayer, you talk about silence and solitude, mm-hmm. you're silencing the body, you're removing the body from the company of other people, you're fasting, you're abstaining from food. Mm-hmm. These are all practices mm-hmm. that are historically physical. Uh, yeah, we consider them spiritual disciplines, but they all involve the movement and the mm-hmm. placement and the posturing mm-hmm. of the body. Yeah. So the body is... Posture of prayer, even. Precisely, yeah. yeah. This the simple posture of bowing your head to pray is a simple way that we're bringing our body into submission mm-hmm. to what God is doing in us. And that this body is actually a, can be a tool for righteousness or for evil. But that, like as you've said, it's an integral part of who we are. The body isn't something that we have. It's part of what we are. Yeah. It's essential humanity. You got more? I got another hypostatic union question. Okay. <laughs> uh, which we've talked about a day. lot today. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, so this uh, question says, did the earlier church understand the hypostatic union? Did they understand mm, a fully God and fully man? Or was that more of a recent revelation? Yeah, well, I, I think they understood that Jesus was the Son of God, 
and that in some sense he was fully God. And they understood that he was, cert- they certainly understood he was human, mm-hmm. right? There was no doubt about that. We, we see that in the writings of John, yeah. right? Uh, in, both in his gospel and in 1 John, how first, you know, in the gospel of John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen him. And, and then in, in 1 John, in the kind of the, the first few verses of that, this heavy emphasis uh, on I mean, it's, it seems for all the world like John is arguing with people who don't think that Jesus was truly human. And he's like saying, he was human. Yeah. We touched him, right? We, we, he, he was. Um, so I, I think they affirmed that. Now, now, how those things work together, I think the church has, has wrestled with that over time. But they knew that whatever wrestling they were going to do, they have to keep the full humanity. They have to keep the full deity because the Bible is very clear on both of those. And then... Um, it, it, it has to work with the gospel as well. And, and, and as I said before, that the gospel tends to be a lens through which they judged views of, of, of who Jesus was. If, if, if the Jesus being proposed can't save us according to the logic of the gospel, then we need to go back to the drawing board. Mm. And, and that's what's been done uh, throughout church history. Um, is there an exhaustive definition of how Jesus is fully human and fully divine? No, not really, but you, you have a lot of without confusion, without change, without division, without separation, you know, those, those kinds of things, which are more negative statements. Um, but, but now the, the, the range of possibilities is getting smaller and smaller, hmm. right? Um, yeah, it's, it's worked out over time. It, just as I think the scriptures were progressively revealed, I think there's a progress in theology that takes place. Um, and so it's great to be alive today. If the Lord waits longer, it will be great to live 200 years from now because I think, there's, I, I, I think theology is getting better and better. Yeah. There's aberrant streams for sure to where things are getting worse and worse. But uh, we're, sta- we're always standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Yeah. And it's, it's, great. it's great to be alive right now. Yeah, excellent. Any more from you? Uh, well, I wanted to end with a series of rapid-fire ah, superhero-related yes. questions. Now, these are not questions to try to stump Todd. These are just like preference and fictional-related questions that I came up with, and I'm excited for this. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Todd, Given that you have not seen you know, the new I, Spider-Man movie well, yet. So I, I should say, I can do this all day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had worn my cap shirt. That would have been perfect. Okay. Uh, so given that you have not uh, seen the latest Spider-Man movie. I know. It's totally um, What is your favorite MCU movie? MCU stands for the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Oh. For those who... Hmm, this is a big question. Um, I do like the Captain America movies. But I also, I really like Ant-Man. And I really like yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Okay, <laughs> Todd. No, there um, we go. I will go with I will go with Captain America, uh, both the first two. Oh, great! Yeah, I I really liked the first one. Yeah, it, it was early, but I really really liked it. Mm. I like it too. Um, okay, number two. If you were forced to watch a DCEU movie, um, I, I I like which DC one? <laughs> which, Wonder Woman was great. Which would it have to be? Uh, my favorite one was Wonder Woman. So well, well, no. See, that's not sorry. Talking recently. Um, the Christopher Nolan Batmans are my favorite by far. Yeah. I, well, and I, I agree. I would say they're my favorite of all the superhero movies, even. Oh, wow. Uh, more, more so than the... Fine choice. More, but if it, more recently, uh, the DC movies, I, I think Wonder Woman was Wonder really Woman. good. I, yeah. I think th- that deals with such weighty issues about uh, what Luther would call how we're simultaneously saint and sinner. 
Mm. Um, you see the Imago Dei goodness of humanity, but also the sinfulness of humanity at the same time. And she has to wrestle with that um, yeah. because it's, it's, it's perplexing. And it's perplexing in the Bible too, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who is man that you are mindful? And then, ugh, I'm the worst of all sinners mm-hmm. simultaneously. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Okay, number three, favorite comic book villain? Oh. This can be Marvel or DC. Yeah, okay, it's, it's going to be DC because I, I like Batman's villains and I like the Flash's villains. Mm. Um, I really like the Joker. Yeah. I, so Who doesn't? I know, the that's Joker's just totally great. classic. I, mean, I, 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 should, I, I could come up with something, something more, no, more sinister. That's, that's so great. I mean, you gotta... Batman and the Flash have the best villains, I think, oh, hands good. down. Good to know. Okay, so these are these uh, next three are Hunger Games style. Who would win if you're pitting <laughs> them against each other in yeah. like a forest arena? Okay. All right. Who would win between Iron Man or Batman? Ooh. With full equipment. With full All equipment. Their equipment yes. At their disposal? yes. Anything at the at their disposal. Yeah. I I'm gonna say Batman, and 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 here's why, because both of them are filthy rich. Both of them have all the technology at their disposal, but Batman is also the world's greatest detective. That's and, true. And, mm. and, and he would find out a way. I mean, he would find a way. That's, mm. probably, that's probably very true. And okay. I'm totally loyal to Batman. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Spider-Man. Ooh, okay. Spider-Man. Um, I think he would wear him down. Uh, of course... Yeah, that's a tough one, though, isn't that, it? That's a really tough one. It, it's a tough I one. I haven't seen those yet. Thank yeah. you. No, that, no that I, is a good I, one. I kept these from Doug. I haven't written I, I think there is enough boyishness in Spider-Man, uh, enough hopefulness, if you will, that, that he would eventually mm. figure out a way. He's also got the Spidey sense. He does have that working for him. Where, I was going to wh- say something, but it would spoil Wolverine the new just movie, gets, so I won't, it, I won't wh- say wh- that. Whereas Wolverine just gets beat to a pulp, but he, then he just he regenerates. Just regenerate, yeah. He regenerates, but, but, but Spider-Man can, can avoid the beating. That's true. As well. That's good. Mm. So, yeah, All right. there's some there. Final one. Thor versus Howard the Duck. I've got, don't I have to say Thor? I, I, yeah. I just say it. Okay. No, no. All right, I'm going to say Thor. Okay, I added this one, so. I, I think this, because eventually Howard the Duck would, the, like, cigar smoking would, it would, would probably it, 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 it yeah. would weaken him eventually. It's yeah. probably very true. <laughs> okay. All right. I think I probably know the answer to this, but who is your Batman? We've had a bunch. Adam West, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, Kevin Conroy, the voice of the animated Batman. And now we have a Robert Pattinson as the Battenson. So uh, my question wow. is, who is your Batman? Uh, my favorite movies were the Christian Bale movies. Yeah. But I have done the Christian Bale voice on this podcast before. You, okay. I will not do it again. <laughs> yeah. But it's been done on this podcast yeah. before. Yeah, isn't isn't Conroy better at that though? Even than his him, voice is think? the best. Well, okay. yeah, you can't deny his 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 voice. But yeah, yeah, the Christian Bale performance, very good. Well, those yeah. were my heroes. But I, I, I liked them all, though. I, I liked Michael Keaton. Uh, those were fun Michael Keaton movies. Was great. I really liked them. These were the Tim Burton ones, right? Yes. 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 Oh, those were those things yeah. were a trip. Yeah. And and then even Adam West on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> watching watching those with my kids. They're so much fun. Yeah, they're they corny as I'll get out. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, That's the fun but, part yeah. of them. Yeah. But which is so not Batman. I mean, <laughs> I know. those are like happy and joyful and colorful and weird. And Batman is dark. Yeah, he's got the, the yeah. most brutal it's backstory. Weird. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
All right. Well, it's not like we're digressing into superhero uh, nerdness. Yeah, so my bad. We'll wrap it up there. Todd, thanks so much for, for being here tonight. We've got a, a couple announcements we want to share with you real quick. They'll, I think, be up on the screens. Uh, first one is, if you're relatively new to Saddleback, you haven't taken our classes yet, class 101 through 401, take your next class as soon as possible. We've got those coming up. Go to saddleback.com slash class. You can roll in the next one that's coming up. What do we have next? Uh, yeah, our second uh, thing we want to make sure we plug is... Doable Disciples Podcast. Oh, yeah. Hey, if you're listening to this out. already, you're, you've made it. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome back. Um, if you are joining us online or you're here in the audience and you haven't started listening to it, go back and check it out. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of great conversations. We've had, I think this is this episode like 118, 118 or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah, so go back and check it out. Yeah. And uh, next up, I think we have Foundations. Foundations, if you, if you want to learn more about theology or more about the basic doctrines, the core truths to build your life on, check out Foundations. Go to saddleback.com slash foundations. You can watch the sessions there. The videos are loaded there online. You can check those suckers out. They're great. And I think we have one last thing. Final plug should be this. Oh, yeah. Superheroes book, Can't people. Save You. We got the book. If you're here in the audience, we got books for sale right after this. Um, if you're watching online, um, please go and check out the book. It's great. As Todd said, there are seven um, of... Uh, of the heresies and heroes that are mentioned in this book. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun read. It's such a fun read. And it you really get to learn is. a whole ton of stuff, um, as you heard today. So please check that out. Todd, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. It was really, really fun. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.